I neglected to call my mother on Mother's Day one year. It, I'd like to say I forgot, because that, that would be better, wouldn't it, than just not doing it. Um, it wasn't that I didn't want to do something. It was my freshman year of college, and I'd never had a Mother's Day when I wasn't living at home. Uh, my family aren't real gift-giving people. We kind of do it for birthdays and Christmas, but that's it. So I'd never gotten my mother a Mother's Day gift. We'd always just spent time together. And I would make her tea, and we would talk, and we would acknowledge the relationship together. So I was at school, and I had no money, because it was the end of the school year, and the money I'd made waiting tables was gone. <laughs> this was before cell phones, so calling cost money long distance, and I really didn't have any, and it seemed weird to call collect on Mother's Day. And I had papers due, it was the end of the term, and I was very stressed, and I just didn't do anything. And the next day, my mom called me, because she had money for long distance, <laughs> and um, she was very hurt. And she said, you know, it's, it's an awful thing not to have that relationship be acknowledged on Mother's Day, and I was devastated and felt awful. And I said, Mom, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> And she said, honey, sometimes even when you don't know what to do, you have to do something. And I don't know if you've ever had words come your way that sit with you and that, that become how you view the world, but that was a moment for me. Sometimes you don't know what to do and you still have to do something. I, I wonder if the apostles felt that way a little bit after the ascension. Um, this is after the resurrection and it's weird, but Jesus, you know, died and came up and then came back and hung out with them for a while. And not what they expected, but he was with them. That had to feel familiar. And then they said, is, is this the time? Is this when your kingdom will come? And, and Jesus says, you don't get to know the time. You don't get to know what to do. But you do have to do something. You have to spread my word and, and you have to spread it in Jerusalem and in Judea and in the whole world. And now I'm going to rise up in a cloud and leave you. <laughs> and I, I imagine they didn't know what to do. And I sort of take comfort in that because I know what that feels like. You're, you're forgiven for not knowing this story in your bones, the story of the ascension. It's, it's not one that we as a culture sit with a lot. We all know Advent, right? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas in the world. And we know what Christmas feels like here in the decorations and what we do with our families and those traditions and we have special food and gifts. And we know what Lent feels like. Even in the secular world, people say, I'm giving up this for Lent. I'm not going to church, but I'm going to give something up. They, they know what that's like. We're waiting for spring. It's dark. It, it all feels right. We know Easter. We do Easter really well. We, we know how to rejoice in the resurrection and dress up and come to church. And spring is finally here. And the eggs and the Easter bunny, it's all around us. You can't get away from it. Nobody out there knows about the ascension. There's no Hallmark card or special gift or ritual. We don't know what to do. <laughs> I am a little more aware of the ascension because... In the past few years, I've become, my husband would probably say obsessed, I'm going to say very, very smitten, <laughs> with, with the liturgical calendar. Um, 
I grew up in the church. I was always aware of the seasons that we do, that, that they changed, that we go from Advent to Christmas to Epiphany. And um, it, when I became chair of the altar guild, I became even more aware because what season we're in affects what we do up here. The first time it kind of hit me, the power of this was when I realized that we set up these falls, the white color, the same for a funeral as for a baptism. They're white. And it's because it's a, it's a resurrection, it's a celebration, it's a going from one thing to the other. And that just knocked my socks off. That, that was incredible to me. And, and then I realized next Sunday on Pentecost, we'll be setting these up red for the Holy Spirit, for, for coming down. And we would also set this up red when a bishop is in the church to do a confirmation. Same red, same Holy Spirit. And I was, I was hooked. I was in that, that this calendar existed and that we could sit in it and through that understand more. I began to be very aware of it in my day to day. Uh, perhaps because I'm a giant nerd, I started something called Eating Liturgically. <laughs> it's been a blog. I've been, I've been planning my family's, well, my eating on the feast days and the fast days and the calendar of our, the rhythm of our church. And I can't tell you what that has done to be every day thinking through and focusing through where we are. So I very much knew that this past Thursday was the Ascension because I was making a special cake <laughs> for the day with my son. Uh, oh, Kai, wanted, Kai read through this, my, my seven-year-old. He wanted me to make sure you all knew that the Ascension happens 40 days after Easter and Pentecost happens 50 days after Easter every year. So Ascension will always be on a Thursday. He thought you should know that. <laughs> It's perhaps ironic that I've become so churchy, so into this, because for a good chunk of my young adulthood, about 15 years, I wasn't so sure about the church. I, I grew up in it, and I loved it. I love the liturgy and the music and the rituals. I love the Book of Common Prayer. I love our Episcopal Church, and it is a very comfortable place for me. And as I became a young adult, I wasn't sure following Jesus meant being really comfortable. I wasn't sure that was what I was supposed to be doing. Also around that time was when Bishop Gene Robinson was called to be a bishop and a whole chunk of our church wasn't sure about that. And I was young enough and progressive enough that I went, why are we even talking about this? This is, this is absurd. And I remembered all the times in my life when the church was used to say, we're in and you're out. And when people would use the service they were doing in the church to make other people feel bad. And in my own church growing up, my father was on staff. And I saw that priest parted ways with our church. And it was so hard. People felt terrible for a very long time. As, as can sometimes happen. And um, I wasn't sure an organization that could create that much political angst and that much hurt and that much divisiveness was something I wanted to be in on. I never doubted God. I never doubted my love for him and her love for me. And I, 
I prayed every day, and I thought, maybe I can just follow Jesus on my own. I, interestingly, I, in my daily prayer, I still used the Book of Common Prayer. I still needed, I needed this grounding, but I, I just wasn't in. I've been in discernment this year to figure out what God is calling me to do. And I, I think someday I'm going to have to say out loud, even if just to myself, this whole story, because it's been eye-opening how the Holy Spirit has been working and pulling and tugging me towards something. But I'm going to just tell you the end of the story, because I don't want to keep you here forever. <laughs> um, after my son was born, my youngest, times got very hard. I had a new baby who was a wonderful new baby, but he did not sleep through the night, as most babies don't. And I had an older son who was lower-functioning autism who was very angry that we'd brought a new baby into the house. And with his anger would occasionally come aggression. He was five, so it was manageable aggression, but we still, we had a rule in the house that one adult hand was always on the five-year-old and one adult hand was always on the baby, so we could keep everyone safe all the time. One hand, one hand. I think the stress of that uh, made my immune system drop, and I had picked up a MRSA infection when I was in the hospital having the baby. When you have a healthy immune system, that's fine. When you don't, you get very sick. And I got very sick. I got so sick I had to stop working. And my husband had to go on part-time. He took the Family Medical Leave Act so he could be home when my older son was home. So when he was at school, he could work. When he wasn't, he wasn't. And so our finances went from here to here. And I, all I could do was walk down the stairs in the morning and sit on the couch and hold the baby and then go back up and go to bed at night. That was all I could do. I've always been one who prayed. And at first, I had very active prayers. I prayed for our finances. I prayed for my health. I prayed for the baby. I prayed for my older son to calm down. I, I had very wordy, active prayers. And then as I got more sick and more tired, I didn't have words anymore, but I kept praying. I had nothing. It's as if I had a bowl full of something, and I kept pouring it out and pouring it out and pouring it out. And when it was empty, there was room for the Holy Spirit. It came, and I had a place to put it because I had nothing else. While I was on the couch, I would often watch an evangelical preacher on TV. I, I didn't always agree with her politics, but I, something about how she spoke and how the people responded worked for me. And one day she had an altar call. Um, I don't know if you know what that is, but that's when they say, anyone who wants to devote their life to Jesus, who accept Jesus in your heart, stand up, and it's going to happen right now. And people did, and, and other people put their hands on him, and all of a sudden I realized I was crying. And I went, okay, I'll go to church. <laughs> I, <laughs> just, I, that, that was what I needed to do. And when I came here, I found a different church than existed 10 or 15 years ago. It wasn't so sure of itself. This church specifically had just lost a very popular youth minister, and Reverend Mark Delcuse was transitioning out, and we were transitioning someone new in, and there were way less people. And I saw cracks, and I saw an emptying, and I went, oh, I can do this. This, this is familiar. This is where I want to be. 
in this place of contemplation, of emptying, of where I want to be, when the Archbishop of Canterbury came out with the Thy Kingdom Come prayer, movement of prayer to go between Ascension and Pentecost, because I was so in tune to the liturgical calendar and because I was so aware of sometimes when you don't know what to do, you have to do something. And because I really think that's where we are as a church now, it just hit, it called me, it responded. I so much thought we needed to be doing this. And I pestered Whitney aggressively. I think we as a church, not just this church, the big church, but definitely us, I think we've been like the apostles at the Ascension for a long time. I think Jesus went up in the cloud and we've been looking up, and I think it's time we listen to the messengers who appeared after Jesus went up, and they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. He's going to come back here. We've been looking up and up, and I think it's time we look here. The daily prayer as part of thy kingdom come is one way to do something when we don't know what to do, and I think it's okay that we don't know what to do. And I think something, when we empty out that bowl and allow the Holy Spirit to come down, and it's coming next Sunday, I think, I think it's good to be ready for that. So um, I'm going to give you homework. <laughs> I want you to sign up for those emails. It's so easy. Just watch the video that comes with it every day. Just practice emptying that bowl. I want you to come to the Saturday morning prayer this Saturday. It's from 9 to 11. You don't have to stay long. Drop in, join us, our church family, and pray for the church. Get ready. It can be on your way to a sports practice. It can be on your way to running errands. You can decide you love this and take a nap in the corner for an hour. Stay. Come. And I really want you to wear red next Sunday. <laughs> I want you to take something in your day-to-day -day life, open up your closet, and find something red and say, I'm ready for the Holy Spirit, for the fire. We'll be doing red here, and I want to see the fire in the church. Don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I chose not to write everything out. I wanted to speak from my heart. And now I'm trying to think of how to transition out of this. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. That's what Jesus said to the apostles. When, right before he ascended, they said, is this the time? And he said, you don't get to know. And then he also said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. We don't get to know, but we're not alone. That very hard-to-say gospel that Whitney read today is all about how we are being held. We have to do something even when we don't know what to do, but we will be given the power to do it. Amen. Amen. <laughs>